And anybody think more on the church at Smyrna this week? Think about that wasp. Dad reminded me, or didn't remind me because I was eight years old and we were in California, but I guess he saw a bunch of, bunch of bags and fig trees and told me I did eat a fig. He said, you ate a fig before, which I didn't remember. I was eight years old. Uh, that what, Did you stop and ask somebody, what's all the lunch sacks in the trees for? Yeah. It took them, took them some time to figure. Trees are all heading off to work, packed in lunch. So yeah, that's. Uh, I just I really thought that was interesting for a long time, and thought there was something there. And then when I uh, found that write-up about that, and it named those pears and their figs in that tree, wild goat figs, and just how that worked. I mean, they're basically being infiltrated, and that's the church at Smyrna was infiltrated. Uh, tonight we're going to look at verse number 12 is where we're going to start, down to 17. And uh, this is the church at Pergamos, and uh, it's, it's also an infiltrated church um, and also a, uh, a, the location. Now, I've been trying to split this up and keep it. I didn't know we were going to spend a week on every one. I, I wanted to go faster than that, but I guess there's it's not going to happen. Uh, gee, I always try to... I always try to under overestimate or whatever, but so here we are. This week we'll just spend tonight on the church of Pergamos, and uh, like I said, I, f- I found some interesting things on that. And I didn't send Cody pictures, but he's got Mr. Google back there, and I kind of sometimes I kind of like doing that just so you can see how quick and easy it pops up because a, a lot of these, a lot of this stuff is like right there on the surface, and it, it's like I don't spend but just a few minutes finding some of this stuff because it's like hidden in plain sight, I guess, if you will, if you just know what to look for. So, um, But here we go, verse number 12. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write these things, saith he which hath a sharp sword with two edges. And I guess if you'll, if you'll notice as, as John's writing these things and, and Jesus is telling him to write these things, um, John doesn't want to be mistaken who's telling him to write these things as you look at every church. Um, you know what? What it say there at, at uh, uh, Ephesus? Uh, he that holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven cold, uh, candlesticks. So that's Jesus, because he just saw that. And then the church at Smyr- Smyrna. These things saith the first and the last, which was dead, and is alive. So he, he again, he didn't want there to be any mistake, like. This isn't me. This is Jesus telling me this. That's who the author is. And then, and then we get to Pergamos here. Uh, he uh, which hath a sharp sword with two edges. And, of course, we, we know that's also another reference to the Bible. It's sharper than a two-edged sword dividing both soul and uh, uh, asunder. So we, we know that that's referring to Jesus Christ. Uh, it doesn't want there to be any mistake here of, of who's writing these things. So verse number 13, I know that I works... And where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. And thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, even in those days wherein uh, deny my f- even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr who was slain among you 
where Satan dwelleth. So we, uh, we, kinda, we had that map up here, and I'm not going to have Cody dig around and find it, but we had that map, and these churches are relatively close there um, in, in what we call Turkey. Uh, we also call it Asia Minor, but um, it's just basically Asia. Uh, they're uh, north of Israel and Jordan and in that area. So we, we kind of have that idea where these churches, literal churches, are. And the, the interesting thing about this church at Pergamos is that he, he says, I know thy works and where thou dwellest. He knows where they're at. And, and I, I thought about that this week. I'm like, oh, of course he knows where they're at. Uh, but I think he, it goes a step farther than that. Like, hey, I know, I know what you're surrounded by. I, I know how tough of an environment you have. I know the type of people that surround you. And I got to thinking about, um, you know, I, I've gone out and helped a, a lot of guys that have started churches door knock. And you get a pretty good feel for the town pretty quickly just doing that. I know Dad you have and Keith you have and, and maybe some of you others have. Uh, and you get a really, really quick, I mean, you, you figure out what, where they dwell pretty quick and the type of people they're going to be uh, dealing with pretty quick. I remember when we went to, uh, I'm probably going to get my towns mixed up. I think when we went to Marysville and helped Jeremy Stout, it was like the Lutheran church had to be the mega church in the area. Like it seemed like everybody we talked to, oh, I'm Lutheran, and just that was that cold. Was that Greenville? I was going to say, I think Marysville was uh, Methodist. Methodist. I, I, got the two, I got the two mixed up. But it was pretty distinct what those, what those towns were. Was I'm Lutheran. And that was it. <laughs> no, they, they didn't want to, like, that was it. Finish unpacking their groceries or uh, close the door. Um, it was like, nope, I'm good. <laughs> and, and that was it. Didn't want to. Didn't want to welcome to the area or anything like that, just like mean Lutheran. Like they were almost Baptist and didn't know it. They were just mean Lutheran. And uh, yeah, I think you're right. It must have been Marysville that was, was Methodist predominantly. Just like, we're Methodist. I mean, they, were, they seemed nicer than the Lutherans, but they just didn't want to talk to you. And just kind of, they were not old school Methodist, the best I can remember. They were like, saved? What's that mean? That, kind of the. Yeah, the, the new style Methodist, like, what's saved? Where, where do you get that from? So, been better if they were the old school Methodists that, you know, but no, they were, they were new, new school. So, uh, so, I think that's what it means. Jesus is like, hey, I know where you dwell. And the area that they dwell in this, this, this town of Pergamos is worse than Lutherans, mean Lutherans, and worse than lost Methodists, and worse than... It, does anybody know what, what people we've got in this town, this area? They are. They're, they're really friendly. They, they'll lie to your face. Yeah, we'll come down there. And then they never show up. But, it, but they are friendly. They are, I mean, people. They're friendly liars. Yeah. Uh, here? Uh, yeah. Pro- yeah. I, I would say in Church of Christ is the big one here, um, but friendly, friendly Church of Christ and um, uh, friendly Catholic. I mean, they're they're friendly. I, I remember um, the first time that uh, 
before our church started, I came down here, I don't know, it was, we didn't have tracks or anything, just by myself and knocked doors in Waynesville. I'm like, well, here's, here we go. What, 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 where are we going to dwell? What are these people like? And I had that thought in my mind, you know, are these going to be mean Lutherans? <laughs> are they going to be lost Methodists? Are they going to be, you know, what are, what are we dealing with? I, I didn't quite know what we were dealing with here. And a lot of the people, majority, didn't really, oh, yeah, okay. Do you go to church anywhere? No, not really. Perfect. That's where we need to be. And nice. Yeah, interesting. I'd love to come to your church. When does it start and everything else? I was convinced, like, <laughs> I was convinced. I was sold. We, we had, gosh, we had 95 wood chairs, I think, set up in here, if I remember right. 95 wooden chairs set up here our first Sunday. I thought, everybody in this town says they're coming. Every door I've knocked, they said they'll be here. This, this, this is going to be huge. And I think we stand right here. Maybe the night before or something, that Saturday night, and Jason Crawford and I were praying. He's like, he's, he grabs my arm, and he's like, brother, this is going to be unbelievable. <laughs> we need to get more chairs. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, but, but at least we dwell not in the condition of these people of Pergamos because they lived in a distinct, uh, different Town as far as this. Look what he says. I know where thou dwell, even where Satan's seat is. Now that's just that's just figurative speech. That's not literal. That's just figurative speech, right? <laughs> well, when we get through looking at this, uh, that is literal. That is literal. Probably one of the most satanic places on the face of the earth in their time. In their time. And... Um, as we go on here a little bit, a lot of these satanic names that you see will probably ring uh, an ear from the Old Testament down in the next verse. Well, let's just look at, uh, he says, even, um, well, no, we can't, we can't skip this Antipas. So what I could find on Antipas was a, uh, uh, of course, obviously a Christian was found out in this town and um, was basically crucified, not crucified, but uh, sacrificed in the town. Ooh, that'd really make you not want to put up a church Facebook or website page, wouldn't it? Like, they found Antipas out, and they sacrificed him right in the street. That's worse. That's way worse than mean Lutherans. And that is the that is the area that these Christians are dwelling in. That's the area. That's the mentality. That's the things that's going on around them. Is hey, if they find you out, they will they will slay you in the streets. It would be like us moving to uh, us moving to uh, uh, Iraq, because that's what they do with Christians in Iraq. They kill them right in the street, and nobody bats an eye. Nobody calls the cops. Nothing, nothing like that. It, I, I, I talk about some of these political Facebook pages, and I remember one in particular that they put a video on there and in a lot of the videos they, they have on there you have to click the bottom to say this is a graphic video are you ready for this and um, but if you catch one when they first put it on there because some of them are so horrific that they won't you know if like it goes across the desk of Mark Zuckerberg it gets pulled off automatically and at first I was really like shocked but then I thought I don't think Christians in this world have any earthly idea you know American Christians we don't have any earthly idea about the atrocities that go on uh, around the world 
I mean, we have no idea. If a feminist that, that marches on Washington would see how they treat an adulterous woman in the Middle East, like pour gasoline on them in the streets and set them on fire. I have, I have watched videos where they burn people in the streets alive and nobody tries to stop it. They just chant and Allah all around them. You know, it, it's, it's, it's tough for a full grown man to see, but I think we need to be exposed to a little bit of that. We, we just live in la la wonderland, you know, where, where at least, this is an interesting, remember when the, uh, the crane fell, I think they were just, I think that anniversary that's coming up, where that crane fell in that mosque in Mecca, was that last year or year before last? Anybody remember that happening? They were doing some work on the, you know, Mecca is the Muslim holy place. That that's, comes above, um, that comes above the mosque at Omar and, and it's the number one holy place. And there was a crane that fell, fell into the mosque and just reminded me one of the videos that I saw was that. That was like click down here to open that up. And they had, had uh, surveillance footage inside this mosque of this crane coming down. And there were all these Muslims inside and it was bad because there was big stones from the ceiling falling down on these people inside and the crane itself came down inside and it just it was gruesome I mean just the, probably one of the first most gruesome videos I, I saw and what shocked me was that here would be like a guy laying laying in his own blood and people were just like walking past him like like nothing just just crazy. I mean, that was one of the first videos I think that opened my eyes because the video played for several minutes after it happened. And people weren't even like going and checking on somebody. And then, uh, yeah, there it is. A crane fell right through the, the mosque and killed like 200 people. And, uh, and I saw this shooting in uh, Las Vegas and I saw the different mindset of how, I mean, American lost people are willing to help somebody else. And here are these Muslims in this mosque where somebody that they, they've been worshiping with gets splattered on the floor and they don't even try to help. And I remember one of the guys was distinctly like flailing around and, and somebody just almost stepped over him and didn't even try to help. And I just thought if, if nothing else, look at the mentality of Islam and look at the mentality of Christianity. Which, which is which? You know, because that's what we're going to look at a little bit here, and, and that's what that's what they were in. This town of uh, Pergamus had that type of people surrounding them. I mean, they lived in pure pagan, satanic town. So Jesus said, "Hey, I know thy works, and I know where you live." Like he, he's 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 basically giving them. I'm almost afraid to say this, but he, he's giving them a little bit of benefit of the doubt. Like, hey, I, I, know, I, know, I know it's tough where you're at. I, I, know, I know your works, and I know where you're at. Um, and, and, uh, and you've remained, you've, you've, uh, you've not denied my faith. And uh, even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr who was slain among you where Satan dwell. So can you imagine him grabbing Sam and taking him out to the street? 
and sacrificing them really kind of make you think about coming back to church Wednesday, wouldn't it? <laughs> but hey, everybody just said, as old Sam, <laughs> we're back here on Wednesday. But I mean, that's, that's kind of what he's saying. Hey, I'm, kudos to you. I, I know your works. I know where you dwell. And even after Antipas was killed, hey, you stuck in there. I mean, that, that's a, it's not a, hey, boy. It's a, you're doing pretty good with what you're dealt. Hey, you're right where I need you, right where I want you. Look at verse number 14. But I have few things against thee, because thou hast the, uh, there them that hold to the doctrine of Balaam, and who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. So... At first, he, at first, he's commending them. He's like, hey, I know your works. I know where you're at, and you're sticking in there. Good job. There you go. But within this church, you've got the doctrine of Balaam and the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Now, we covered the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, and now this is twice so far. And I think, kind of hard when you're studying these, I think it's kind of <laughs> looking in hindsight when you're studying them fresh, hindsight to just go by one church at a time instead of reading these two chapters like I've been doing because they're kind of getting a little bit overlapped. <laughs> I think one more time we're going to look at that. Um, so we've covered the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, and, and this is twice that Jesus said, I hate that. I, I hate that stuff. That is the, the, the conquer of the laity. And uh, when we look at the history, that'll come up a couple more times on how these churches have used that doctrine of the Nicolaitans to their favor and advantage. And this was going on here at the church of Pergamos. Now, the doctrine, uh, the, the, the doctrine of Balaam, and uh, we used up some of our time earlier, uh, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children to eat things sacrificed unto idols. So if you remember, this was a paid prophet in Israel, Balaam was. And Balaam was going to curse the nation of Israel. Remember, then he gets on his donkey, and that's a whole nother time in, in Bible history that an animal talked and somebody wasn't surprised. And he even had an argument with this, this donkey. Um, so um, basically what we have here are prophets for hire. That's what Balaam was. That was the doctrine of Balaam. Uh, he was a prophet for hire. It, they, it was doing anything for the money. Um, and, and don't we see that in Christianity today? <laughs> Prophets for hire. That's, 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 the, that's the majority of, of churches really is, is, is uh, prophets for hire. So they had that going on in the church. They had, they had those that were in charge that wanted to conquer the regular people. And then they had those that were in charge that, that, that upheld this, this uh, doctrine of Balaam. And not just the, the, the teachings and the doctrines of Balaam, um, but remember what happened with that. Uh, since they couldn't do that, and that angel stood in the way of the road where the trail necked down, and the, that's when the, the ass stopped and spoke and wouldn't go anymore, and remember he smote it, and then the thing started talking to him. And, uh, so, so obviously he knew that the Lord was in the way there. So then what he does is he goes to the Moabites, Anybody remember where the Moabites come from? That was the incestuous relationship between um, Lot and his daughter is where we get the Moabites. And the Moabites are still over there today. So they're still dealing with that problem up in the mountains from 
3,000 years ago. So he couldn't do it that way, so he enticed the women, the, Mo the Moabite women, to go have relationship with the Israelite men. Uh, he, he brought the world sexually into the church and ugh, just made a mess of it. So they have this whole thing going on in their area. Look at it this way. I was thinking about this uh, this week. How far Baptist churches have come. Am I right? <laughs> we, uh, I grew up in a Baptist church where if you had a TV in your house, whew, that was of the devil, right? Uh, except the assistant pastor would come to visit us almost every night that the A-team was on, mysteriously. <laughs> Didn't he? <laughs> It's like, well, the 18's on. Where's Brother Steve at? He should be coming for a visit. <laughs> he came to our house to watch the 18. <laughs> I think that's what it was. Wasn't it the 18, I think? <laughs> you know, here I am, six years old, and I remember that. Um, and and uh, preached on men having beards. They wouldn't, let, they wouldn't let you in that church, Sam. Men having beards. Wouldn't lay them in the choir. And... Uh, uh, I've heard of preachers preaching against cowboy boots and just all kinds of stuff that's nowhere in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible. Um, what crazy thing did I just, just reminded me when we were doing our church constitution. I, I remembered one that we looked at when we started and I thought, are you serious? Like, where in the world do you, where is that wrong? <laughs> um, just crazy stuff. And, you know, I, I, know, I know we have to be careful because, um, <laughs> because we are called to be separate, to, to be sanctified. And it seems like the more the, the world swings to the left, it seems like we're just a couple steps behind them. And we look back on a lot of that stuff and we think, well, that's stupid. Where's that found at? And I agree, a lot of that stuff is stupid. It's just legalistic. It's just the doctrine of the Nicolaitans is basically what it is. It's, it's trying to have power and control over the laity. And, and if we're not careful, we'll get legalistic and we'll fall under those same guidelines. Like, nope, shouldn't have a beard. What? Where do you get off with that? I, I think that's crazy. I, I think it's almost unbiblical to not have a beard, Sam. <laughs> Mine just doesn't fill in. Christy won't let me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just... I look at it like that, you know. They uh, and there's places in the Bible where they shave their beard as as a shame to them. So I don't know. We look, we're in a bearded church. There's only one guy shaved faced in here. <laughs> You're it. Yeah, plucked Jesus's beard. He had to have one, didn't he? Yeah, I I, I agree. We you know we've. And I don't know why that is. I, I just remember that was the thing growing up. Like, nobody in our church had a beard. Nobody. Like, and then one guy showed up with a beard, and it was all like, God, he's got a beard. <laughs> When's somebody going to tell him you're not allowed to have a beard here? Are you serious? Like, how's, how, like, I don't know. I, I don't know why that was his thing. I guess every preacher has a thing. I don't know. I, I, that was another thing I heard of. Wire rim glasses. I guess that would that be me. I don't know. They're pretty small. Pants on women. Makeup on women. Well, I remember. Was it makeup or pants? I knocked a door in town. 
<laughs> I knocked a door one time and this woman said, I'd love to come to your church, but I can't remember if she said she wore makeup or pants. I can't remember. I think it was makeup. Was it? I think it was makeup. I, I wear makeup. I'm like, good. <laughs> yeah, if, if, if you're ugly without it, slap it on. <laughs> we don't want you scaring the kids. But anyway, we, we get in these little things but if but if we're not careful we'll follow the world so close to where we'll say well meth as long as you're using clean needles it's a sin to use dirty needles and i don't know if that's how you do that stuff or me me and a buddy of mine this week was talking about what how do you do you grow it do you make it do you brew it what do you do with it and he said i don't know if you can grow it we need to find out how many acres it takes i said i guess but you know you know what i mean like okay this is okay because now this is acceptable you know, and, and that's kind of the world we live in with churches. We've, they've swung so far to the left, like what is now acceptable? And, and the world is so far out there to the left, yeah, what, what is acceptable? You know, because we've, uh, I saw an interview, I thought this smiley guy in Texas was the worst, but there was a guy, Hillsong Church, where's that at? Hillsong? Is that California? They had, and this was just a little 30-second clip I saw, so I don't know the whole premise of the whatever, but they had the pastor of that Hillsong, and I just remember that name because I think it is in California, had him on, I think it was The View, and they were asking his opinion on abortion. Now, I would think that I don't care who you are, that if somebody asks you if abortion is okay, any pastor in the world that even would take on that name, I would think that you would not find one that would say it was okay. And this slick snail danced all around it and would and basically said, I just let God be the judge, just like the smiley guy did in, in Texas. And I thought, are you, are you kidding me? So, and this is basically what Jesus is saying to him. Hey, I know where you dwell. That's, that's us. I'm trying not to get into the prophetical side of it, but it, I almost can't help it. So if I say this later on, don't think I'm a broken record, but you know we've that's us. That's Christianity nowadays. We've swung so far to the left that that distinctions and where, where do you go? Do you have a pastor on national TV say, well, I tell you what, I'll just let God be the judge of abortion, just like the smiley guy I think was was it on same sex marriage? Isn't that what got him? Well, I just let God be the judge. It's, it's not our position. It's not our yeah. It's, you got the Bible right in front of you. You're not judging. You're just reading from it. You know, look what happened to Phil Robertson. He got in big trouble just from reading a verse. Crazy. So, and by the way, I don't know if you knew this, but they're starting up their own channel. CRTV. Has anybody seen that? And I don't quite know how it's going to work, but I think this could be the conservatives' answer to a lot of the problems that they're facing on, uh, and I don't know how it's going to work, but on YouTube and and Facebook and Twitter, I think this CRTV is going to be the solution to that, and I can see it taking off. It's got Phil Robertson, he's going to have a show on it, that Steven Crowder is going to have a show on it, um, Mark Levin's going to have a show on it, um, somebody else is going to have it, all Christian conservative channel, and I'm like, about finally. I think it's going to cost a hundred bucks. So if somebody's thinking what to get me for Christmas, there you go. <laughs> so anyway, I, 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 th that's the days we're living in. Um, look at this. Uh, stumbled a, a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. If you get 
if you're thinking about where am I going to read in the Bible this week, I think it's Numbers 22, 23, and Numbers 24 is where you'll find Balaam and the, uh, the ass that's speaking and, um, and what they did with Moabite there. So, okay, verse number 16, repent or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit say unto the churches. Uh, interesting there, the capital S Spirit. Now, who's speaking? It's Jesus. So there kind of is your uh, two parts of your trinity. To him that overcometh, I will uh, give to eat of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone, and in the, uh, in the stone of a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth. Now, I'm, I'm not afraid to say I don't know what that means about the stone. I don't know. Anybody got an idea? This may potentially be where, remember back in the day, they would give you, uh, uh, they would blackball you. And basically they would, they would shake the cup and it had uh, white stones and black stones in it. And if you drew a black stone, that's where you get the word blackball. They'd run you out. Um, and if you got a white stone, you were okay. I'm thinking, maybe, I don't know. I, I found so much contradictions when I looked that up this week. I don't know what to believe. So is it important to us? Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe if, if it bothers you in life, that'd be a good lifelong study for you to find out what the white stone is. But that potentially could be it. Like, if, hey, if you don't listen to me, same as snuffing out the candle. Maybe it's just another way for him to say that. Uh, I'll come against you, and, and but if you hang in there, I'll give you the, I don't know what it is. So, uh, historically, let's go back up to verse number 13. I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. So many times people will just say, well, that's not really literal. That's just kind of a, kind of a thing. You can't take it literal. It's just a spiritualize. If you don't understand the Bible, just spiritualize it. What does that mean? Maybe that's just bad people. Um, remember when we studied pyramids and we, stu we just kind of brushed a little bit on all those gods that were in Egypt, probably the most wicked place on the earth at their time. And boom, God's people ends up right in them. And as soon as they get on the other side of the Red Sea, what do they do? They start worshiping those idols and idolatry comes in. Well, a lot of those gods from Egypt make their way north into Asia Minor, where we're talking about. And almost to where the satanic power seat was in Egypt, now the satanic power seat has moved from Egypt to Asia Minor. Wonder why that is. Huh, probably the same reason that, that the Holy Spirit put the Apostle Paul in Antioch, one of the most valuable crossroad cities. There you go, Pergamos, we're, we're up here. So one of the most crossroads, uh, if I, rem oh, I don't know the scale of this map, I think Antioch was like more down here if I remember right. Put this into proportion. Macedonia, yeah. Um, so, this whole area at the time is major trade route. Uh, right on the water, and then you've got all the trade that was going on with, with Asia and up and through Europe. And at this time, um, Egypt is not quite as powerful of a player at the world in this time, but now there he is. And in fact... Um, there again, we'll get into one of these, the intellectual cities. That one, I think, I can't remember right off the bat which of these it is. There again, like I said, I should have studied them individually because they're kind of running together. 
But uh, if you remember our King James study, the most intellectual city in the world at that time is where the libraries were at Antioch, uh, at, at Alexandria, uh, Egypt. So now we're moving up to here's the intellectual armpit of the world, so-called. And uh, one of the power players is where, uh, hey, Satan, let's see, let's move our operation to here. This is where we can have more influence. So there was an old boy in the 1800s that was reading about his Bible, and he said, hmm, I bet that's literal, Satan's seat. I'm going to go find it. So he gets permission from the government to go on an archaeological dig in Pergamos, in this town Pergamos, and he digs up. Do you know what he dug up? Cody Google image Pergamos altar. And we'll find out, we'll get an image here of what this guy dug up. Should be pretty, pretty easy to, to Google up. So in 18, I got a little history, right off the History Channel, I'll read here for you. And this, if you ever go to Europe, you can go to the Berlin Museum and you can see this very altar that this guy dug up in the ancient city of Pergamos. There you go. That's it. Popped right up, didn't it? Popped right up. That is what this guy dug up. And if you go to the museum in Berlin, you will find this. They built this museum basically around this deal. And you can't see the carvings, but in these carvings are giants. <laughs> and there are human-animal hybrids carved into this altar like all, all so it's so interesting when you find stuff like this it just all ties together and, and that's what you can find on this altar so this was the very worship spot this pagan ritualistic sacrifice system at the heart of Pergamos guess who else used it yeah, there's some carvings of these angelic deals here. I mean, look at that. He's, you know, we, we always get this idea of angels as being just little, and they're all good, but we forget that a lot of them aren't good. And here's a lot of them carved on this. So just the carvings that are, I mean, I've not been, obviously been there, but just to see that and, and look at all the just, there's snakes carved all over this thing and, and man and goat put together and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting, because uh, in the uh, 1930s, it came from Pergamos. Now, where's that now? Berlin. Berlin. How'd it get there? Hitler moved it. Yeah. Uh, so here's an article I found on the History Channel. And this is kind of an interesting article. Because it says, what is the true meaning and purpose? But the question's never answered in this article. I, think, I guess it's just one of those make you think. Berlin's museum, island for those that love the past, but the past can be a dangerous thing in the hands of those who use it and the cause of evil. And this, especially true of the ancient artifact that was unearthed in 1865 by a German archaeologist in the ruins of an ancient Greek city called Pergamon, or Pergamos, 
It is known as the Pergamon Altar. The altar was moved to Berlin into a building constructed especially for it. It was filled, uh, it filled a hall six stories high with the area of a football field. Today, to climb the stairs and to look down at the people far below gives one a feeling of power. In 1930, a Nazi climbed the altar, looked down, and got the same feeling. His name was Adolf Speer. He was in charge of the architecture of the Third Reich. Without knowing the original meaning and purpose of the altar, he adapted it to the new Nazi monument that would aid Hitler's arise to absolute power. What is the Nazi movement? Question mark. And what was the Pergamon altar's true meaning and purpose? Question mark. All is revealed in a museum secret inside the, Ber the Berlin Island Museum. Isn't that interesting? So, yeah. Well, the, the building that houses it. The building that houses it, six stories tall. So, I mean, just how would you move something like that from, from Asia to Europe? Like, wow, just like dead set on using it. So, which also brings again, if, if I were to ask you what, what power and what person and what in modern, like who's Satan? Who's the Antichrist in modern time? If we had like a list... Very interesting, Cody. Very, you keep that thought. What, what's your answer, Cody? Who would, if I was gonna, if I asked that question in, in modern time, who would be your ideal antichrist? What would you say? Be honest with us. You can turn the recording off if you want. Who would you say? Ah, oh, that's close. That's not who I was thinking. You were like, mm. oh, that's who I thought you were gonna say. That's who you're thinking. You're afraid to say it. <laughs> Uh, so, um, or we think Adolf Hitler, right? That's what everybody thought. Hated the Jews, killed, evil, corrupt. Look what he used. The seed of Satan. Okay, Cody, uh, Google me up this image. Uh, image, uh, what's that guy Keith said? Oh, yeah, Barack. Inauguration speech, or not, acceptance, acceptance speech, I'm sorry. Some, are your wheels turning yet? Wait, wait for Cody's reaction. First. What's Cody's reaction going to be? Was this first or second? We're all looking at him. In anticipation. Paper? Um, yeah. <laughs> there he giggled. He found it. <laughs> he found it. <laughs> he found it. There it is. No. I'll, I'll show you, then maybe you can find it. Oh, he says, oh.
see if I can see if this is his first or second. 2008, that would have been, yeah, it's first. 2008, right? There it is. What does that remind you of a little bit? Oh, wow, yeah. Pretty crazy. And I, and I didn't, like, set out to, oh, let's just see what kind of, I mean, it's just there. <laughs> Keith went to bed depressed. <laughs> But, I mean, there it is. I mean, do you think all that was on accident? I mean, do you think anything's by coincidence? That is very interesting. I mean, that was, that was because you, you look, and I think, I think some of that kind of came up, like what, because they called it the, the Greek something when he, when he was sworn in. But, you know, a lot of these Greek mythological altars and stuff, they all have different shapes. Some of them have the the regular roof and stuff and but this one has that same distinct shape as this seat of Satan this Pergamon altar that we're looking at I mean the same outline I don't know how size scale wise it works out but you know and this is the deal that when um, the Nazis would parade their thing by like little Kim does um, that was what Hitler would stand on this seat uh, uh, as the as the army went by and everybody saying hailed Hitler and and the, the children would come out and sing, Hitler is our God. That's what they taught little school children in school, that Hitler was their God. And they'd have the school children come out and sing that uh, before this altar. So, I mean, Pergamon altar. Okay. Yeah, Pergamon altar. And I, I didn't know that this week. I'm just like, you know, what what is this seed of Satan? And then, lo and behold, you come to find out some, I mean, it's the same, same like shape. I mean, you know, it just makes you think, like, this stuff isn't, I love it when you guys get your phones out and you're like, oh, that's crazy. No, no, I mean, you, you look at those two and the inset and everything, and here you've got him up on this deal, and it's just kind of one of those things that gives you those, like, ugh. You know, this stuff's not by accident. It's all by inspiration. And it's all, it's all just a, a battle that goes on. And most of the time, we don't, we're not even aware. I mean, look at here it is, eight years later. And, and a lot of this stuff, we're, we're not even aware of it and up to speed on it and snuff. You know, they would have to really do the research and homework to get, to make that happen. You know what I mean? To, on purpose. And I don't know if anybody does this stuff on purpose or if it's just inspired and they just, they're inspired to do it. And like, hey, let's, let's do this. And there's something working behind the scene to control them and inspire them to do this kind of crazy stuff. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. To use certain satanic cards to steal is just amazing to me. Like, if you know so much about it, how can you honestly not believe? Right. <clears throat> and I mean, just even look at this opposite side of it. You know, like, all, all this stuff happens, and, and they're not even like revealing the whole end purpose. And, and I wonder what it is, you know, behind behind the spiritual curtain you know because there's a spiritual battle going on that we're not aware of 
and I, and I believe, it's just my personal opinion, that, that instances like this that happen, is this, is this Satan's way of showing all those other spiritual things like, hey, I got this, I'm in charge of this. You know, like, like you know, I'm not saying that Obama's the Antichrist because he stood in front of that thing. But is that just a way of like communication behind the scenes and stuff that we don't understand? Is that is that what that is? Is that just you know do those do those inspired spirits look at look at that inauguration address and go, ooh, I see who's got this cat, you know? Because we we see all through the book of Daniel and even through the book of Revelation that these kings are inspired by these evil. Uh, spirits that are behind the scenes that we don't we don't understand and the bible tells us that and it's never the cupbearer <laughs> i'll use the cupbearer no that's god uses the cupbearer satan uses these big powers that, that he has influence over um and i i didn't i was getting too sidetracked so i so i quit but um something about and, and this will be if you get bored this week take a look at this that, that obama's speech um when he was in berlin uh, because he visited this. Obama visited this when he was in Berlin and took a tour of this. Um, and there was, I was getting too sidetracked. And sometimes I'll get off and I'm like, nope, just pull back. Don't, don't go there. You'll spend three days there and it won't, you know, we got to stick to the church at Pergamos. So cut that off. That'll be for another time. But if you want to this week, take a look. I didn't even go there. I don't know if there's any relevance to it or not. But, but he visited this, I forget what year it was, when he took a trip to Europe in Berlin and made a speech, and Merkel was there, and that is about the most satanic woman in Europe that I can think of right now, so uh, let that be a good little side study for you. So the, the seat of Satan, yeah, I believe it's this literal seat right here. I believe it was in their door-knocking distance at Pergamos. This is what they had to walk by, and what exactly took place? We see meat sacrificed to idols right here taking place. Maybe there was even human sacrifice that was taking place in Pergamos. There obviously was with Antipas. Uh, that's what happened. Maybe they drug Antipas up here and, and slew him right here on this altar and the blood ran down the steps. I don't know. I don't, I don't, you know, the Bible's not clear on exactly what that was, but you want to talk about a church tough place to be a church member? You're looking at it here with Pergamos. It kind of gives you a good example of what they went through, the evils they were surrounded by, the seed of Satan's in their town. They, they knew what this was. When, when the Apostle John said, and Jesus told them about the seed of Satan, they said, I know where that is. That's, that's right there in town. And some German archaeologist said, hmm, I bet that's a real deal. Let's see if we can go find it. And how they found it in such great, I mean, that looks, looks like they just carved it. And I don't know the history, how many pieces it took, and I, didn't, I wasn't interested in all that. I just know that you can go see it today. Maybe this is restored. Maybe parts of it are just, I don't know. I don't know the details. If you're interested, just look at that. But I kind of found that image and like, ooh, what does that look like? Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it is, yeah, I saw a picture like that too, an image where it's, it's big. It's, it's not like walking up those steps back there. It's like walking up the steps at the, it's big. Like this, uh, these are bigger than life size, basically. These angels and stuff that's carved on it. You're probably looking at something like this. These five steps would take up a person 
you know, like those steps or you know, there's six steps there or whatever. So Cody's back here clicking. He's going to find some people on it for us. <laughs> And again, I don't, I don't know the condition they found it in. I, I'm sure some of this is probably recreated. I, I, don't, I didn't dive into it that deep. Find out what's original. What's, I, just, I was thinking, how, how did they cut this thing up and haul it to Europe? Like, there's some significance for them to do that and then for Hitler to be like, hmm, I'm going to use this as a platform here. This is, this is my gig now. You know, that whole inspiration just is rich with this one. Hmm. Any other thoughts? Crazy stuff, isn't it? Hmm. I hear him clicking. There it is. Yeah, there's the people. It's a big deal. Yeah. I'd say those figures at the top were bigger, but at least the height of the first. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and and some of them are pretty creepy looking too. But yeah, the six stories is the building. I mean, this is a six-story building, so I mean that thing's probably at least I'd say four stories. Looks to me like maybe ish. So I don't know. Pretty pretty crazy. So I I I believe that the seed of Satan. I think they they found it. I think it just kind of another proof of hey, take your Bible literally. You know, you, you run into stuff like this. You can't just always say, ah, oh, it's just devil must have been involved there. No, I don't think we got the deal right there. Especially when you tie a lot of the paganistic um, gods that they worship that can't that they brought from Egypt or uh, uh, Isis and Astar and and Moloch and all these. All these pagan gods that seem to never change throughout history seem to always be the same ones with the same meaning and the same ritual behind them. They just seem to keep popping up. And the reason they keep popping up is because they're throughout the Bible, and the reason they're throughout the Bible is because Satan hates God's people, and he's always trying to infiltrate and surround them. And here's yet another example. This early effective church in Europe, Boom. Or in Asia, this is what they this is in their backyard. So all right. Well Sam, would you dismiss us in a word of prayer and we'll get out of here.